Good morning. Hello to you all. Can we give the students another just round of applause for their hard work and effort this morning? Yeah, that they would... Mitchell and I, we get to, we get to worship to this every week. Like, it is awesome. It, it's just, there's so much energy for them. And for them to spend part of their spring break here serving, using their gifts, we're just so grateful for them this morning. Um, uh, hello, I'm Austin. I don't know if I said that. Uh, welcome. If you're joining us from Florida, wherever you're at, welcome. We're glad that you're watching. I'm not jealous at all. Um, but anyway, we're glad you're here. And I, I just want to say something real quick before we get going any further. Next week, next week, we're having our annual Passover meal, like where we gather together and we actually partake in the, in the meal that Jesus would have given his disciples on Passover. So a traditional, a traditional Passover meal. Some of you who've been around here a while know what that's like and know it's incredible. Um, if you're new here, this is going to be an experience for you. And so I'd invite you to be here next week. It's, it's awesome. It's a great, bring your family, bring your friends. It is going to be a really cool thing. Um, so yes, join us for that. Um, back to this morning, right? Everybody wants to be my enemy. Have you ever felt that way before? Maybe you've been in a situation where you've just felt like everyone in the room was your enemy. It's funny because I actually just had one of these moments this past Wednesday. Um, I needed 20 pizzas for an event that we were having. And so I called up Little Caesars because that's what you do when you need, when you need 20 pizzas, okay? And I mean, I mean, we call there all the time, all right? This isn't uncommon for us, okay? And so anyway, I ordered 20 pizzas um, and I pull into the parking lot and it is packed. People are waiting outside, right? And so I'm already thinking like, I'm, I'm not leaving here with pizza. No way. And as I'm walking in, as soon as I open up the doors, there is this line to the register and then around the lobby, like along the walls, shoulder to shoulder, people are just visibly upset, standing there, right? These people looked hot and ready to burn the place down, let me tell you, all right? Like, I can already tell you, this is not going to go well. And so as I'm, as I'm waiting in line at the register, everyone in front of me is, is canceling their order because they're not ready. And like, and the guy at the cash register is, I don't know when it's going to be. Like, I can't tell you. It's not ready now, and it's not going to be ready anytime soon at least. So I finally get up there, and I try to put a smile on my face because, I mean, since I've been here, like, this guy's just been getting it. Like, so I get up there, and so I'm assuming, I'm assuming I should cancel my order for Austin. And he goes, for Austin? Oh, no, we've got yours. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I didn't know if I should be relieved or like afraid for my life. He then proceeds, he then proceeds to tell me that I am the reason everyone in here is waiting. That I am the reason they can't make any more pizzas. Like, I'm prepared to meet my maker. Okay? Now, no one said anything at this point or did anything. Um, I mean, people have been stabbed for less. Thank you, Mitchell. He's the one that kind of told me that. <laughs> but as I'm walking out with 20 pizzas, I couldn't help but feel like I had just left a room full of enemies. Now, maybe not everyone wants to be your enemy, but there's usually somebody, right? Like that person that chooses not to use their turning signals. 
Most definitely your enemy, okay? Or the people that go just under the speed limit, right? Or that one person on Facebook, right, that just really gets on your nerves like you can't stand but you follow anyway because there's like this weird gratification that you get from getting upset and worked up about what they post. Sound familiar? Okay. Maybe it's a family member, a boss or a coworker, or even a friend that you, that you disagree with or that has just gotten on your nerves. Like, I get it. And I'd be lying if I didn't admit that there are times when it just, in my life, when there are times it just feels like everybody, everyone is against me. Like, how could they believe such a thing? How could they say such a thing, do such a thing, support that, vote for them? And before I know it, everybody wants to be my enemy. And spare the sympathy. I don't care. If they don't like me, great, I don't like them. Does this sound familiar? Are you convinced you have enemies? And who convinced you of this? The news? The political party you identify with? Your friends? Your family? Your church? Even maybe? The reality is the moment we choose Jesus, the moment we place our faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and as Lord, we enlist. We've enlisted. We enter the fray, so to speak. And I think we feel this. It's the very reason we believe we have enemies. Because there's this constant conflict. And it's not just out there. It's not just in our homes, in our schools, the places we work, our world. We feel this conflict within us, too. Even when things are good in our lives, it's there. Like, despite the fact that I have a wonderful home, in an incredible community. I have a job that I enjoy. I can worship Jesus. I'm free to worship Jesus. Morgan, Ophelia, and I, we can go to the park and we can get some delicious ice cream after. Like, despite all of that, why do I feel so tired? Worn down. Not in body, but in mind. Although some of us do feel it in our bodies, too. Why do I feel battered and bruised? Why does every day feel like a struggle, a battle to stay faithful, to keep following Jesus? Well, maybe. Maybe that's because it is. C.S. Lewis writes this. Um, he says, we never, find, we never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. Who is it that we are fighting, or what is it? As followers of Jesus, who is our enemy? If you've got your Bibles with you, um, or the Bible app on your phone, I invite you to join me, I invite you to open with me to Ephesians chapter 6. In this letter, Paul is addressing a church in the city of Ephesus on what it looks like to live in the truth of the good news of Jesus. And he concludes this letter with some final information and instruction for all Christians. So this is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
Put on the full armor of God, Paul says. Now, when or for what reason would you put armor on? Why would you put armor on? If you're going to battle, if you're going to war, if you are expecting to battle. One of Paul's most famous sayings is, fight the good fight of the faith. So whether you choose to believe it or not, we are at war, and we do have an enemy. Our enemy, though, our enemy is not a person, or human even. Paul says our struggle is not, he says we do not wrestle, maybe some of your translations say, with the flesh, with blood, against flesh and blood. But who? Because we do wrestle with the flesh. Our own flesh. Okay, that's a different message for a different time. All right? Who does Paul say, tell us to stand against? The devil. Yeah. The devil and all of his cronies, right? The ones that Paul refers to as rulers and authorities and powers, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is our enemy. Now, if you're a little uncomfortable right now, that's okay. There are a lot of valid reasons to be uncomfortable when we talk about the devil and spiritual forces of evil. But can I just take a second, real quick, to encourage you to remind you that we are never asked to fear the devil. Not a single time. And in fact, I know this might be like a little cheesy or cliche, but the word or the phrase, do not fear, appears exactly 365 times in the scriptures. 365 times God's word tells us to fear not. But I will say, I do think, I do think there's some truth to the idea that people fear what they do not understand. And so if we are not to fear our enemy, then we need to know our enemy. Know your enemy. This is why learning who our enemy is is important because learning who helps us to know what to look out for, what their tactics are, the strategies that they will use against us to kill us, to enslave us, to destroy us. The Apostle Peter, Apostle Peter, he wrote, be alert and of sober mind. Sorry, this is in 1 Peter 5 eight. You don't have to jump around. I'm going to put it up on the screen. This is in, uh, yeah, 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that word devil in the Greek it's the same one uh, Paul used earlier. That word devil in the Greek, diabolos, diabolos, is in its Hebrew equivalent, uh, satan, like katan, sat it's, they're not related, okay? Katan is not satanic, all right? Diabolos and the Hebrew equivalent satan are both, are less names and more titles, because both of those words are literally translated as adversary. In fact, we are never told the devil's name. He might not even have one. Or it's Voldemort. I don't know. He must not be named. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> All right. Anyway, an adversary, though, an adversary is something of a legal term in the Scriptures, right? It's, de it's, it's described in the Scriptures as a kind of prosecutor before God, someone who's trying to convict another person of guilt before God. In the first two chapters of Job, 
Satan is an accuser of Job before God. In Zechariah's vision, in chapter 3 of his book, Satan stands next to Joshua the high priest accusing him before God. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus faces off with the devil in the desert, it is not some western showdown with like rolling tumbleweed, you know, like doo-doo-doo. Like it was a debate. It was a trial. In Jesus' most in-depth teaching about the devil, he says this. This is John 8, starting in verse 44. He says, you... And he's talking to some of the religious leaders of his time, but that's not what I want to focus on. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The father of lies. The origin point of deception. When he lies, he speaks his native language. What are the devil's schemes? What is our enemy's tactics? Accusations, deceit, and lies. This probably isn't how most of you envisioned your battle with the devil right? Or maybe I've just seen too many scary movies and assumed it involved a cross and some, like some holy water, right? Which is ridiculous, not the, not the cross and holy water, the fact that I've seen scary. I just don't enjoy scary movies. I really don't. I don't like them. I always get roped into watching them though somehow. Actually, you know what is ridiculous? Ridicul- what is ridiculous is the idea that the devil is somehow behind like every little bad thing in our lives. Don't misunderstand me here for a second. The devil is behind a lot of bad in this world, But in our own personal lives, friends, there are such things as coincidences, misfortune, and on top of that, probably more often than not, our own foolishness. The devil, whom Jesus later refers to as the ruler of this world, most likely didn't visit your truck on the way to church this morning and start that argument with your wife or your children. No, most likely, you said something you shouldn't have. Because you're stressed out. You're in a hurry. That's just being human. No, the devil, the father of lies, is far too cunning and far more subtle. The devil's lies would want to convince you that your spouse or your children are ungrateful. That if they really loved you, they would listen and obey. That coworker of yours, you know, the cute one, he actually listens to you. Unlike your husband, he doesn't even care anymore. You know, if you write this down instead of that, you wouldn't pay as much in taxes. No one's going to notice. It's not a big deal. The government gets enough of your money anyway. Speaking of the government, those stinking Democrats or Republicans, Goodness gracious, they are the problem. They are your enemy. The world is better off without those people. Lies are his language, and we are fluent. But just because we're fluent doesn't mean we need to speak it. And some of these lies, we speak our entire lives without even realizing it. 
Like the grown man who was berated by his father who comes to believe I am only as good as how successful I am at work. Or the entrepreneur whose business has failed who now believes everything I do will fail. Or the grown woman who was raised by, by an angry perfectionist mother who decades later still believes I have to be perfect to have peace. Or the brother who's been betrayed and cheated and comes to believe that everybody wants to be my enemy. Or the sister who's comparing herself to everyone she sees on social media and comes to believe that I'm ugly and I'm unworthy of love. Or the pastor who feels the pressure to be perfect, to know all the right answers, comes to believe that he'll never be good enough. Lies when left unchecked, when believed, our bondage is bondage. What lies have you believed? Are you listening to, being convinced of even, that are keeping you enslaved to the enemy? And how do you break free? If lies are the weapon of the enemy, then what is our defense? How do we take our stand against the devil? I want to circle back to John 8 again. John 8, verse 31. If you still got your Bibles open, uh, you can just stay on the same page. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If lies are the devil's primary method of enslaving human beings, Jesus says the truth will set you free. Our fight with the devil, friends, is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from their captivity to lies and to liberate them with the weapon of truth. In fact, it's not coincidence that when Paul lists the armor of God, the first thing that he lists is the belt of Truth. This is precisely why Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the King, comes as a rabbi, a teacher, a truth teller. Because Jesus came to liberate us with the weapon of truth. And how will we know the truth? Jesus says right here, he says, if you hold to my teachings... You really are my disciples, and then you will know the truth. Friends, Jesus came to reveal us, to us, the truth. In a world that was blinded by lies, a world that is convinced our enemy is one another, a world that is enslaved to anxious, depressive, and destructive, murderous thoughts and ideas, to a world that is convinced that death has the final say. Jesus shows us the truth. He is the truth. And the lies of the enemy hold no power over Jesus, friends. His victory was claimed on the cross and ours along with it. The lies of the enemy hold no power over us. And so I'll ask you again, what lies 
are you allowing in your life to keep you enslaved to sin? In bondage to the enemy. And can I encourage you? Can I encourage you this morning to allow Jesus to speak truth over them? To speak his word? What he says about you? What he says about his kingdom? What he says about himself? Can I encourage you to seek out his teachings, his promises, and friends to hold fast, to hold fast to those things, cling to them because Jesus, his life, his teachings, his promise, his truth is how we fight and resist Satan and his schemes in this world. Friends, there is so much more that we could dive into this morning. But this, this is important. Because every day, every day is a fight. Every day is a battle. And we feel it. So every day, every day, cling to Jesus. Get in his word. Spend time in his presence. Seek his kingdom first. And watch. Watch as you resist the devil. Not even just resist the devil. Watch the devil flee from you. Because he has no power in the presence of Jesus. It's a lot to take in this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, Jesus, God, we thank you. We thank you for the truth. Jesus, we thank you for the truth that is your life, that is your teachings, that is your way. God, we thank you that you didn't just, didn't just die on the cross and leave us, but that you sent us your spirit to guide and direct and protect us, to reveal to us truth about who you are and who we are. So God, this morning, I pray against the devil's lies. I pray against the devil's schemes in this world and in this place and in our community, in our lives. Jesus, we pray for your presence. You are the truth, the way, and the life. Help us not just to believe in you, Lord, but also to trust you so that it changes the way we live, so that it changes our homes, it changes our workplaces, it changes our community, that we can then go out into our community and be bearers of your truth, bearers of your image in our world who desperately needs it. Lord, I don't know what, uh, what specifically people are struggling with this morning. What lies they've been told their whole life. 
maybe that they're not good enough or not worthy. Or that they don't deserve your love. God, I pray that you would speak your truth into us. This week, this month, God, this forever as we pursue you, reveal to us your truth. Jesus, we love you and we praise you for the work on the cross. That victory on that day that we can boast in and what you did. Jesus, we thank you for that and we praise you for this time this morning. God, we love you. Amen.